0: Well, this morning I'm I'm happy with the with the message. I'm excited about sharing this with you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, find Proverbs thirteen, chapter thirteen, and verse twenty-two. Proverbs thirteen, verse twenty-two. And here. Uh, he says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. I'm beginning a couple of messages today, maybe three, on appropriating the secret funds of God and how to transfer the wealth. We talked last week, uh, those of you who are here and I hope you get the CD or listen to last Sunday's message online, because we talked about how that, that God predicts in Isaiah 60 that the wealth of Gentiles would come to you after the death and resurrection. Uh, God has this funding that is laid up for us. He says here that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. It, God blesses him and he... Uh, he he doesn't do like one t-shirt I saw one time it says I am spending my children's inheritance That that is not the way that God wants us to do that he wants us to be blessed he wants us to have money left over not only to support missions and expand the kingdom but to leave to our children to help them uh, get a good start in life but he says and this is an agricultural society in which you would you would leave your inheritance to your children. You'd leave land. Each tribe had 12, there were 12 tribes, 12 allotments, and you would leave your inheritance, your land to your uh, descendants. But he says, the sinner's wealth is laid up for the just or for the righteous. The wealth of the sinner is laid up. And I think the idea is, at least one of the things is, that you're you're counting on the normal inheritance structure that's the way Israel lived but God is saying I have something more I have something different I have something you didn't see coming and that is not just a father's inheritance that he leaves to his children in this society, but he says, I have wealth laid up for you. It's a secret fund. The word laid up is the same Hebrew word used in Proverbs 2.1, where he says to treasure the commandments. Treasure. I have a secret treasure which has... Funding in it. finances is, is in that. This is a secret economy that God is unveiling here and He wants us to see. You, you remember this verse from last Sunday, Ecclesiastes 2.26. To the sinner he is given the business of gathering and collecting only to give it then to the one who pleases God. The sinner gathers his funding and then he holds it Because it's laid up, he's like the sinner is like the treasurer in God's economy. (laughs) And now, our question though is how do we cash a check on that secret account? How do we appropriate the funding that God has for us? Because he says here, the sinner's wealth is laid up, it's treasured up for the righteous. Not for him, but for us. Those, and the righteous here is not those who keep the old covenant, but, but the justified, those who are righteous in Christ. So what, I, what I'm sharing with you today and, and next Sunday morning is how do we appropriate God's finances? That is for us. Why is it just sitting there unused? And that's what I want us to look at over these next two weeks. God, This is God's economy, which is a little different than you will find in the universities. So here's... Th- uh, I don't know, three or four things this morning, and then we'll pick it up again next week. But, but let me just begin by talking about the blessing of work. Uh, there is nothing wrong with work, and I know this might be an, uh, fairly expected, but I, I, I did want to begin with this, and I want to say a good word about work. Because work is not part of the fall of man. God did not assign Adam work because of sin. In fact, it says in Genesis 1 that God worked. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 1, when God had finished his work, then he rested the Sabbath day. And then when he made Adam in his image, Genesis 2:15 says that God gave to Adam the garden to work in. And the fall actually happens in chapter 3, but work was given in chapter 2. So there is nothing wrong with work. Work is part of the image of God that is expressed in us. In fact, I'll say this, I'll point this out too. Uh, when I was looking at uh, Genesis chapter 2, um which came first, Adam's job in the garden or his marriage? And what you'll find is that in Genesis 2.15, he gave him his work and Genesis 2.18, it says, and then God saw it was not good that man was alone. So he made him a helper in his work. So actually, a man should have you should get a job before you get married (laughs) and here's here's what I would say to any lady young lady who's being courted by a young man the first question you should ask that young man is do you have a job (laughs) because I guarantee you that's the first question the father is going to ask that young man (laughs) um and I think this is the meaning, uh, give me Proverbs 24 and verse 27, Proverbs 24 verse 27. It says, prepare your work outside and get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. And I used to uh, ponder on that, because I, I didn't, couldn't figure it out, but I think what it's saying is, get your business established, then establish your household. So, the priority of work, work then wife. No money, no honey. <laughs> um, and then here, we're talking about appropriating the funding of God, but God will channel His funding through labor. Our dignified, committed systematic regular blessed labor that we do each day here's a second thing in which we would say is a, a a method by which we appropriate the secret treasury and its funds if wealth is laid up for the sinner how do i how do i get to it third john chapter 2, there's there's uh, the Gospel of John, and then there's uh, three little epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Well, this is 3rd John, chapter 2. Uh, pull that one up. Uh, this would be number 4. 3rd John, chapter 1, verse 2. There's actually only one chapter, so... And here's what... Uh, Uh, John writes, he says, Beloved, I pray that all will go well with you. The word well there uh, is translated in Romans 1.10 as uh, succeed. I pray that all will succeed. Uh, the, The word in the King James is prosper. I pray that all will prosper with you and that you may be in good health even as it goes well with your soul. Um, Again, the King James, as your soul prospers. Uh, In other words, what? and and remember John was the apostle who leaned on Jesus' bosom. He was the one whom Jesus loved. They were very close. So John is expressing the heart of God here. He knows the heart of the Lord Jesus. And he says, I wish, I pray, I want, I have a desire, a passion to see that you uh, prosper and succeed in all areas of your life, including your health. I want all its comprehensive benefit that God wants for us. And I understand that there's sickness and difficulties and trials and tears and and death and I understand all that, but I'm just telling you the heart of God essentially is good and He wants to comprehensively bless us. But note the caveat, as your soul prospers. Because there's something very crucial, He seems to pick that out and say, I want blessing, but I only want it as your spirituality, as your spiritual maturity matches your financial prosperity. Now, why is that? It's the same reason you don't give your car keys to a six year old. They're not ready for it, they can't handle it, it would hurt them and others. I was looking this week at the, there's a whole list of these, the, the billionaires who have made a public decision not to leave their money to their children. Uh, and I'm talking about Bill Gates, uh, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, Bloomberg, mayor, mayor in New York City, Um, I forget his name, but the founder of Home Depot Uh, and the guy um, who founded eBay. There's just a whole list, and they have come together and formed a foundation in which they will give all their money to this foundation. Now, actually, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children. But what they have decided is they have seen all these young people where the, the riches of the family has destroyed their life. And that, one, one of them said, I forget which one, but he said, I'm going to leave my children enough so that they feel like they can do anything. That is, I'm going to give them an education, uh, and some seed money. Uh, I want them to feel like they can do anything. I don't want them to feel like they can do nothing. So I thought, that's cool. But... But what God is saying is, He said, I want you to feel like you can do anything, but I don't want you to feel like you can do nothing. I want, you, I want your spiritual maturity to dictate your financial prosperity and handle your, your, your prosperity. Um, that means, as, he, as you read this here, and here is, this is what the message paraphrase 3 John 2 says. "Uh, I pray for good fortune in everything you do. Remember, this is the desire of God. This is the wishes of the Holy Spirit. I pray, I I want good fortune to be in everything you do and as well as your good health. And that your everyday affairs prosper as your soul does. In other words, that God wants your marriage, your business, your parenting, your household conduct, your vacation to go well. He wants your health to be good. He wants your relationship to your neighbors to be good and siblings. He wants your goals to be reached, your education to be attained. And He wants all of this comprehensive. I want everything to go well with you as your soul prospers. But see, because that's... The thing, that's the rising tide that lifts all the other boats. Because you know what happens if you achieve a certain amount of success or a certain amount of financial prosperity and you don't have the spiritual life to handle it. Uh, Jesus talked in Luke 10. Verse 41 and 2, he goes into Mary and Martha's home and Jesus sits down and begins talking and Mary sits at his feet. And Martha is up uh, fixing lunch for all the 12 disciples and she's very hassled because everybody's listening to Jesus and nobody's helping her. And finally she comes in And after banging pots and pans in the kitchen and no response, she comes in, hand on hips, and says, Jesus, would you please tell Mary to come and help? What's the problem here? And Jesus turned to Martha and said, Martha, you are troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Oh, one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen that one thing. What is it? Sitting at His feet, taking in His words and His wisdom and listening to Jesus and cultivating a relationship with Jesus. The kitchen pots and pans can wait. There are more important things because this is the key to life. Can you honestly say, listen, one thing is necessary today. And that is my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, and, and just honestly, as a pastor now, this is my reservation with people who work on Sunday. For a few extra dollars, are you disconnecting from a walk with God that is absolutely necessary for all of life to be blessed? You see. So that's the caution that I have. Um, Romans 8, 31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? And he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He doesn't give us things apart from him. It's with him he freely gives us all things. So, Everything that God transfers out of that secret fund comes with Jesus. (laughs) With His blessing, with His presence, with His joy. And and here's one of the things that I will point this out. And who hasn't seen this? People win the lottery and and, uh, you've read these horror stories about uh, the things that happened afterwards. Here's what Proverbs 21 verse 9 says. It is better to be in a corner of a room. That's where you live. Corner of a room. Than a wide house with a quarreling wife. An unhappy wife. Uh, The King James Version says, A brawling woman. And I can picture a woman, You've got a big house. You've got real estate, baby. It's, it's nice. Look at the beautiful furniture. But if you listen carefully, you might hear a dish go flying through the room in that big wide house and crash up against the wall because there's fussing and fighting. And he says it's better to have a little apartment with happiness than a beautiful home. With a bad marriage. Can I get a witness on that? Amen? Or do you think it's better to have a brawling woman but a nice mansion to live in? (laughs) Thank you for the support. I'm a little nervous at some of you this morning. Listen at this verse, and I think we have this would be number five. This is from Ecclesiastes 5. Solomon, who knew what it was like to live with some women, and also an observer of men. And he said, I've seen two kinds of men under the sun. Ecclesiastes 5.17, to the one, he says, who toils all his days, and eats in darkness, and he has much sorrow and wrath and sickness. He he works all day long, but then he's he's depressed and he has sorrow and anger and he's sick all the time. He's not not in good health. But he's he's got a good job, he's got the benefits, he's got the nice car, he's a worker. But look at his life. He's mad. You've seen people like that. Then Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 5.18, But I've seen another kind of person. Every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him the power to eat thereof, that is to enjoy it, to sit down and enjoy his wealth, to take his portion and rejoice in his work, this is the gift of God. You see that? He rejoices in his labor. It's the gift of God. God enables, the presence of God enables you to enjoy your work. As your soul prospers, may everything else prosper. Because if everything else prospers and your soul doesn't prosper, you won't enjoy all the blessings. You won't enjoy any of it. So, John says, here's my wish, that every area of your life would, would be in growth and health and your goals would be reached, your education would be attained, and your marriage would be happy, but he says, as your soul prospers. As this goes, so all this goes. So that's what he's saying. So what, what is necessary for tapping into... The secret funding of God is that your spiritual life, God, like any good father, will hold it back until you're spiritually able to take it. And it won't destroy you and others. So grow spiritually. Best thing you can do to tap that unfunded, or that uh, um, secret treasury of God is to not focus on it, but focus on Him. Here's a third thing, and that is let God test you in small amounts. Uh, Luke 16, verse 10 and 11. Look at this verse. Luke 16, 10 and 11. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. But if you're dishonest in very little, you're also dishonest in much. Some people think that, okay, I only have, you know, the amount of money that I would give to the church is so insignificant that it wouldn't make any difference. I wouldn't think that way about finances. God puts something, some kind of resources into every person's hands as a test. And he says, now, if you're faithful in that, I can make you ruler over more. But if you're unfaithful in $10, you'd be unfaithful in $10,000. And over the years, I've seen these stories where somebody uh, would get a lawsuit settled and would... uh, I'm thinking of one right now that had a $100,000 lawsuit settled from a, a doctor. And she ended up going to Las Vegas and gamble the whole thing away. Lost it all. Ultimately, it lost her house. Um, and I know, and she would come to church every once in a while, but if you're unfaithful in a little, what would happen if you had a lot? Then I'd really be faithful. <laughs> Let God test you. And notice that next verse. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, uh, or unrighteous mammon, uh, is the way King James puts it, that is in the worldly economy, who will entrust to you true riches? What is true riches? That's spiritual insight. That's understanding of God and of life. And he says, look, I'll give you $100 extra. Now what are you going to do with that? If you're good with that, and you're faithful with that, I give you true riches. That is, riches that are not passing but permanent. One of the things that will help you understand the sermon is when the offering plate goes around, be faithful in what you have. And as you're un- as you're faithful in that unrighteous mammon, or money, then God will give you true riches. Insight. Some people sit in a, in, a, in, in a message and they don't get anything. Others, it's like, man, that is so transforming. That is so strong. Thank you for that. It's like true riches to them. So let God test you in small amounts. And then here's a, a fourth thing. And we'll close with this for today, but expect God to be good. Expect blessing to come and flow from Him. Uh, Psalm 84.10 says, No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing. That's, God's not going to hoard. If He would give His own Son, what will He hold back? He wants to bless. There is a fund that is waiting no good thing will he hold back. Psalm 84.10. But we need to expect, and I think God wants us to raise our level of expectation, which is faith. There's a story in 2 Kings 4 um, about a widow whose uh, whose life had just been upended by her husband's passing and and she had two sons, and now she, she tells the prophet Elisha, she says, uh, the creditors are coming to take my sons to debtor's prison, so now I'm not only going to lose my husband, I'm going to lose my children. And Elisha said, what do you have in your house? She said, I don't have anything. Well, I do have one little jar of oil. And that's usually the way it, way it is. He, the Lord will point out, well, let's start with what you've got. Well, I don't have anything. Oh, you got something. Oh, well, I do have that little jar of oil. Okay, let's start right there. And he said, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to your neighbors and borrow a bunch of empty jars because everybody's got empty jars. It's a recession. It's a famine, and everybody's in debt. The creditors are coming to take her sons. Just go borrow a bunch of empty jars. And he tells her this. He said, do not borrow just a few. <laughs> Amen? Man, that's a setup, isn't it? Don't, don't go expecting very little. I want you to get a bunch of empty jars. Widen your expectation of what God is about to do. I, I need that sermon. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> Widen your expectation of what I am about to do. uh, Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceeding above all you ask or think. Amen? So So Elisha says to this widow lady, go and borrow some jars and don't get just a few. Bring them all in, into your house, and then take that one little jar of oil and start pouring into the first one. And she did. And as she did, she noticed that not only did it fill up one of those jars, but it was replenished in her original jar. She thought, okay, that's cool. So she starts in another jar. And she pours and she pours. And every time she would seem like empty it out, it would be replenished miraculously. This, I, I, this is what I would see is God promises to bless. But and I think the blessing is waiting. But we need to maximize the potential for blessing. And and the only limitation evidently on that woman was how many jars she brought into her house. And it says, because it says that when she filled up the final jar, then the flow of oil ceased. Here's what 2 Chronicles 20, 20 says. Believe in the Lord. Believe in Him. And you'll be established. Believe His prophets. And you'll prosper. One quick illustration. Uh, This might be a good one for tax time. But Peter went to Jesus and said, Jesus, they're wanting the taxes for the temple. It's a half a shekel, 20, 20 bucks. But it's for both of us, me and you, evidently they got Jesus and Peter on an audit. And and, and Peter said, so I, I don't have $20. And frankly, you don't either, Jesus. If you did, I'd be borrowing it. So Jesus said this, Peter, go fish. And you will find When you pull up your fish, that there is a coin. Uh, uh, One version says money, but uh, the the text actually says a shekel. A shekel. That's in uh, Matthew 18, 27. Now, uh, that means two half shekels. Now, even in my mathematically unhinged brain, two half shekels I know equals one shekel. So he got, he pulled up a shekel, about 40 bucks, out of a fish's mouth <laughs> to pay his taxes. One for Jesus, half shekel for Jesus, half shekel for Peter. That's one shekel. That's how much he got from the fish's mouth. Now, who would have thought that the money I need to pay my bill is in some fish's mouth, and if I'll just go and do the routine, do the natural, the supernatural will accompany it. Do the the routine thing. Expect the extraordinary to accompany it. Amen? Do what you normally do and watch God do what He wants to do. And I'll give you one other illustration of that. One of our older ladies, who shall remain anonymous, but I asked her for permission to use her little story. Uh, she went to the grocery store, and she was about to pass through the cashier. Uh, and, you know, you, she had it. It was $156. She had her check. She, but it had been in her pocketbook, so it was wrinkled up, and it wouldn't go through. So they tried again, it wouldn't go through. And a lady behind her said, excuse me, and she just reached up and with her card, swiped it through and paid her grocery bill. Hallelujah! Doing the routine, and then all of a sudden the blessing. Her whole grocery bill was paid. Well, she since she had extra money, I guess, she went to, to Halo Burger to kind of celebrate. <laughs> and uh, and she's standing in line, getting ready to pay for her hamburger, and some guy right behind her swiped his card and paid for her hamburger. She was telling me this, and I thought, I need to follow you around for a little bit. <laughs> but that is what—that is the way we tap the funding in the treasury of God. It's like I didn't see it coming the wonderful surprises of God's blessing. But work, grow spiritually, put the one thing necessary, recognize, test in the small things, and expect His blessing to come into your life. Raise your level of expectation. God is infinitely good and no good thing Will He hold back from you? There's a a huge treasury out there. And there's stuff with your name on it. Let's tap into it for the glory of God. All right, next Sunday morning, we're going to return to this and we're going to introduce Project 145 and it will be a further message on how to appropriate the secret treasury of our God. The wealth of the sinner, it's laid up. It's in a treasury. For the just. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you today for each one that is here. I pray that as these weeks turn into months that we will have testimonies that will just come fresh from your blessing of grace upon them. And thank you for uh, each one that's come and each one that's looking to you and trusting in you May their jars all be filled with your oil in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.